I need help. I need more faith. I need a new start. I need to work harder on my career. I need to find me. I need to get my groove back. I need a fucking drink. I need new clothes, money, babysitter, booty call. Oh, oh, oh. I need it all. This is Red, and I've got the Red Print. What's going on? It's the Red Print, and this is episode seven. I know you guys haven't been hearing from me, and I'm going to keep it real. I was a single mom again. Now I'm not a single mom again. Then I was a single mom again. Then I wasn't. So everybody has their life-ish happening. Um, and for me, my outlet is yoga. And that's why I'm here today. So I'm here with my new best friend, my yoga teacher who I love, which I never thought I'd find one that I love in Toronto. No offense, Toronto, but Vancouver is the shit. Um, I'm here with Alexa from Hi. Yoga Tree. Hello. 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 <laughs> Welcome to the Red Print. Thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, Alexa, your last name? Tomaszewski. <laughs> yeah, now you see why I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to mess that one up. So you're a yoga instructor. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, first let me say this. Whenever I ask somebody to be on my Red Print, it is a soul spirit thing. I can't just say, hey, I'm gonna, I, there, here's who I want. This is what I want. Obviously, if Oprah is around, she's getting, you know, first pick. Um, but for me, I think I know it's something where it's driven by my spirit and I feel like there's a message that I need to share. So first of all, let's start. Your name, Alexa. Tomaszewski. Tomaszewski. Where are you from originally? What's it, that? It's Polish last name. My dad's nice. Polish, so Polish last name. It's apparently a very common Polish last name, like Smith, if you can believe that. Really? Yeah. Very strange. Okay. Yeah. But you can find me online at Alexa Tomas is the, the easier version. Okay. Nice stuff. And so you've been a yoga instructor here at Yoga Tree. I don't know much about you. So how long have you been doing this? So I've been at Yoga Tree for five years full time. I actually came myself from the journalism industry. And really? I, yeah. I was in print journalism and fashion oh, wow. and entertainment. And I was doing the freelance thing. And as the journalism industry print journalism started right. to sort of go, not under, but I found that pay was less and less. Right. And my stress level was higher and higher, and so I was doing yoga all the time. And then eventually I just decided to transition from journalism to yoga because it had such a profound benefit on my physical and mental health. Right. I'm a two-time cancer survivor, and so I found that yoga and meditation and mindfulness have been a really really effective way to just manage my health and to just kind of keep it keep it as balanced as possible so I don't fall into any toxic patterns or you know wow I mean you guys should see my face I'm like blown away um I had no idea I mean sorry to hear it but that's great news right it definitely molded me into the person I am today and I have a feeling that there's there's probably a pretty big reason why I went through something like that so that I could be in the position that I'm in to sort of help people find find a way to feel more safe in their body. <clears throat> wow. So I don't even know where to start because I really wanted to talk to you about being mindful. I mean, you did a class. Well, let's start there. You, you did a class about mindfulness and the importance of mindfulness. So what is the definition? What's your definition of being mindful? 
Mindfulness is really just being present in the moment that you are in and simply accepting what is. Mindfulness right. can be as simple as noticing what's around you, whether you're noticing how the floor feels on your feet or the wind on your skin or whatever's happening with the weather. It really is just about grounding yourself in the moment and accepting the moment completely as it is. You know, whether you're feeling emotionally provoked or if you're physically in pain, just know accepting those sensations and doing your best with them in the present moment right and so how can we take that from off the mat into real life well into real life it, it has a really practical application in that mindfulness helps us from reacting in a I don't want to say negative way, but I want to say from like a very emotional place or from a place in which we don't feel fully in control. You know, like we all have those moments where we mm -hmm. feel, oh, I, I, I'm just going to freak out on the next person who doesn't hold the door for me or, or when we can't sort of like rein in that very strong energy of feeling at a loss, out of control or overwhelmed. I think overwhelmed is the word I'm looking for. Right. And for single moms, I find, I know I've been there. Like it starts with one thing. Like it, it it's the morning, you know, uh, your baby's boots are falling off and you know, they've fallen off a total of five times and you haven't even got them to daycare. So it starts with that. Then it's traffic. Then it's this. And then it just snowballs. And all of a sudden you're like, ah, and mindfulness is simply just being aware of the sensations that are arising in that moment of overwhelm or discomfort or of being provoked. Because oftentimes these sensations arise first in our bodies and then we use the language of our minds to give those sensations stories. Right. right? So I'm getting angry, now I'm getting short of breath. I'm getting angry and short of breath because this person isn't listening to me or I don't have control. So mindfulness is, is becoming aware of your surroundings and noticing how those surroundings have an impact on you. Not acting on the impact that you've discovered, but just observing it. Mm -hmm. And then asking yourself, you know, how can I move from a more productive place? Right. And, and you speak about control. I think a lot of the times we want to control everything around us. We want, I know for myself, I'm guilty of it. I want every day to be Christmas, my birthday, which is positive in a sense that I buy, you know, whether it's like that cake pop I'm craving, I celebrate every day, but then at the same time I have my disappointments. So how can we be mindful about that? Mindfulness is accepting our joys and our disappointments as they come. Mm. really about not labeling one or the other good or bad because we have a tendency to be like I'm in joy right now so this is a good thing or I'm in sadness right now so this is a bad thing mindfulness is really noticing our emotions noticing our feelings without labeling them good or bad right. and then you know you can even take it a step further noticing our emotions not labeling it good or bad and then showing or looking to see where it shows up in the body and then instead of reacting from a place of you know, words or reacting from a place of action, you could take a moment just to observe that sensation in your body and allow it to dissipate. Right. And, and what about circumstances that suck? Like, you know, there's some people that, you know, their, their baby daddy, their husband left, they got some real issues. I mean, or even like, you know, finding out you have cancer. Like, how do you spin that around? How do you be mindful and accept something that's so horrible? I think it comes back to the word control and accepting mm. that we just don't have control. 
Because wow. we really, we don't have control. Right. And the only time that we can manifest what feels like control is when we're being mindful because the only thing we can control is our thought processes and how we react to our external stimulus. Right. And the more that we become mindful of how we're reacting to external stimulus, the more control we have over changing the way we act. Okay. So we have a trigger, let's say traffic, let's say baby daddy, let's say, you know, something in our job even. What do we do at that moment? We stop, we think, we stop, drop, shut them down. Whoa. 100%. Like 100%. <laughs> Shout out to DMX. 100%. <laughs> Who knew? Who right. Knew? But yeah, that's exactly it. It is really to, to halt, to stop immediately, and to notice what am I feeling? What am I feeling? Sometimes to even ask yourself, what is the truth? And Ooh. to, to, notice where am I? So what am I feeling? What is the truth and where am I? Whether that be just like touching something, seeing something, saying somebody's name, and then just asking yourself, what do I need now? Mm -hmm. Really just stopping and asking some questions before you act in any way. You know, I think a lot of us are not mindful in the sense that we are stimulated, triggered, we notice we have an emotion, and then we do our compulsive habits, which is maybe watch Netflix or eat chocolate or, you know, grab a coffee because we're tired. Instead I love of, all of the above. And me too. Me right. too. I could, I could fall into those things so easily, but mindfulness is that moment that we ask ourselves, why am I doing this, and would something else better serve me? I think, too, even when you said that, I know for myself, I come from a very reactive family. Mm -hmm. And I think that over time, we're getting better and more conscious of our behavior. But if you look back, I mean, I don't want to diss our grandparents and our parents. But, you know, I think a lot of us have, and I, I'm not speaking for everyone, but I think a lot of you know, our characteristics, dysfunctional ways have been passed on. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I totally Have been learned. That. 100% they've been learned. Just like how cigarettes, people used to smoke before and they weren't mindful of it. I mean, times have changed. So now I would, I would like to think that, you know, people are a lot more mindful, even with raising kids. I know having, there's a big difference from my first one to my second one, the way I am as a parent. Would you agree? I would say that for sure our parents have a specific kind of conditioning. I'm 33, and so I know that my parents and my grandparents, they grew up in an era where control was mm -hmm. a really big uh, really big operating sort of function. You had control over husband. You had control over house. You had control over kids. Um, everything was very tidy. Women had control over purchasing. They bought the stove. They bought the oven. There was a lot of control in our parents' day and age. And when that control was lacking, that's when our parents felt like they weren't good enough. They weren't doing enough. They weren't present enough. And I think we're starting to realize in, in these new generations, my generation, maybe even the generation beneath me, that there is no control. And that mm -hmm. the more we try and control things, the less control we actually have because we're wasting all of this energy trying to keep things in our tidy little box. So whether it's controlling the household, whether it's controlling the kids, whether it's controlling the husband, ultimately, we don't have control. Mm -hmm. And we speak about that about our kids, too. I think I, I don't have kids as a disclaimer. I should say that immediately. But when I listen to mothers talk, I think sometimes there's this overwhelming desire to not necessarily control the kid, but maintain the safety, make sure that the best possible circumstances are available to their child. And all you can do as a parent is really hope for the best after those first foundational five to 10 years, you send them off into the world, right? And you have to just hope for the best, ultimately. Mm -hmm. 
because we don't have control, even if that's what our parents thought. We still don't have control. We don't. That's something I battle with, so I know I'm guilty for that. Um, a a life-changing experience, I can't even imagine. I think that's everyone's worst nightmare, being diagnosed with something. Um, first off, how were you when you first, you know, were diagnosed? Like, did you feel... Like, like you didn't have control? Well, any kind of diagnosis is essentially mm -hmm. the realization that we, we don't have control, whether it's cancer or IBS, right. whether it's Crohn's or some other autoimmune disease, right? Because it, it's not just cancer that affects the daily lives of many when it comes to diagnoses. It, it, it can be so many different diseases these days. Um, so when I first found out, there was definitely despair and lack of control and depression and all kinds of things, but I was also very, very young, and so I had no idea what kind of impact this diagnosis would have on me. Mm -hmm. So it actually took me many, many years to develop a mindfulness practice to become aware of how things that happened 10 years ago really affected me today. Wow. Yeah. So before you were diagnosed, you can see certain things in your life that maybe contributed to it? I, it's, it, or was it more genetics kind of thing? It's hard to say. It's hard to say because I really do believe in that Louise Hay line of thinking, heal your body, heal your life. And it all comes down to like our thoughts. And cancer is thought of as a disease that is from unfiltered, unexpressed resentment. right? And so you can put a lot of stock in that and you can believe you know, only in the metaphysical, only in the energetic, or you can, you can believe that it's hereditary or that it was social or cultural, you know, from your circumstances. I grew up beside a hydro field. I could blame, I could blame, but mindfulness isn't about blame, right? Mindfulness right. is about accepting the circumstances and becoming aware of how that's either changed you or how that's provoked you in a certain way. And, and how has it changed you? I believe that there was definitely some holding on after my diagnosis. There was holding on to um, energy of regret of lack of control just like about how doctors could kind of come in and, and, and cut something out of you and then all of a sudden you're fundamentally changed but no one would ever tell you you were fundamentally changed like when they diagnose you with cancer they don't sit down and be like this is going to change your life they sit down with you and be like you have this type of cancer and here's the treatment so right they just deal with you like a number almost like a like, number oh no exactly so the process of like moving through the illness was very muddy, very cloudy. Um, and it was only, you know, seven years ago that I started really like drawing in and introspecting that I, I could really tell you like how that shaped me or changed me. So you had a life-changing experience very young. Very young. Most people have it either... I shouldn't say too late because it's never too late, but pe most people have the latter part in life. And it was a surprise to most doctors. Yeah. When I was diagnosed, so yeah. But not even just the cancer, but life-changing experiences. And, but there is beauty in that. I mean, at the end of the day, that probably shaped you for the next chapter of your life. Whereas some people have that life-changing experience towards the end, and it's like, well, they've already haven't been mindful. They already weren't present for their kids. They already, you know what I mean? Like, how do you go backwards for them? Um, what are some ways that you stay healthy besides yoga? What are, well, I watch very carefully, or I try mm -hmm. and watch very carefully what I eat. I'm by no means like some sort of like super nutritious yogi. Well, you're I, fit. <laughs> definitely, because there's something to be said for balance. Like I right. like my chocolate and I like my movie popcorn as much as I like my salad and my green juice. Um, I try and get sleep. Sleep is very important to me. Mm -hmm. um, six to eight hours of sleep, I will not compromise on that. Some people are like, that's way too much. No, and I'm I like, that's what I fight. need. Oh, Would you have a baby? That's, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I hear. 
Um, what else do I do? I eat yoga and I also have a gym routine as well because I don't believe yoga offers the body a fair enough balance. It's a right. lot of pushing away, not a lot of pulling. So I, I feel that uh, physical practice is very important and so is a meditation practice. Meditation's really changed my life. Uh, a lot of circles are now using the word mindfulness mm -hmm. as meditation. So they've become interchangeable in some ways. Meditation and mindfulness can in some circles mean the same thing. Well, you had this amazing chant. I mean, so everybody knows, you know, Method Man and the original one. Um, oh, my goodness, I'm going blank right now. Who sings the original? Like, just Marvin Gaye. Mm. Is it Marvin Gaye? I believe it is. You're all I need to get by. But you had this chant that said, I'm all I need to get by. And I can't even tell you how much power that gave me. It just... It made me smile and like giggle to myself like you know it almost felt like it was a sign from God and I feel like God God has a has humor you know what I mean yeah, and I just right. like giggle to myself and I was like oh yeah but I like that and obviously you like it too um, what about that knowing that you are enough and knowing that you're all you need to get by and not having somebody else like let's talk about relationships for for a lot of us you know relationships with men with women with our friends you know, how do you have boundaries? How do you, when you don't have control with somebody who's not good for you, let's say, what do you do? Because I also see people, you know, like sometimes we try and tolerate, but are we meant to just sit there and does that make us a better person if we tolerate it and we, we're mindful? Or, you know, do we, do we break free from it? Is that being more mindful? What do you find? Mm. So there's a couple answers there. I mean, having the experience of uh, cancer or, or illness and going through a deep healing is something that really profoundly reminds you that you're all you really need because nobody yes. can heal you but you, right? But like, screw those. Like, anybody stressing you out, I think you have a low and, tolerance. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. And when it comes to... I'll be honest with you. I was with a man when I was diagnosed with cancer, and I thought that he had really helped me through it. And then mm -hmm. years later, he ended up he ended up going in his own direction, and it was quite a surprise to me. And for a really long time, I thought he helped me through my illness. And then after, you know, doing some real soul searching and some personal work, I realized as much as he was there for me, you know, I really got myself through it. And this is a theme that I've been continuously coming back to for my whole life. You know, you are all you need because yeah. every time you are put in a situation in which you are challenged, you are the one who gets you out of that situation. Wow. And I think each of us can see that too. When you're put in a challenging situation, it's you that gets you out of that challenging situation. People come along and help you, but ultimately it's your skills, your knowledge, your know-how, your mindfulness that gets you out. In right. terms of, of bringing mindfulness into relationships, I'm actually willing to bet that this is going to be a huge, huge thing going forward in the next 10, 20 years, is how to bring mindfulness into our relationships because it can make our relationships so much better. Mindfulness really is the precursor to setting boundaries in your relationships. If you think about your feelings as guidelines or goalposts for your soul, so your feelings sort of indicate how happy or unhappy your soul is. When you start to become mindful of those feelings, not necessarily acting on them immediately, but observing those feelings, noticing when they come up, noticing who they come up around, noticing where they're located in your body, you get a very powerful idea for what your soul likes and what it doesn't like, what mm -hmm. people it likes and doesn't like, and what situations it likes and it doesn't like. And those are those moments of mindfulness that offer you a sort of insight into what your boundaries should be or, or shouldn't be.
Right. Because without mindfulness, we can't have healthy boundaries. Because mindfulness comes down to becoming aware of what it is you need in the present moment based on your circumstances. And boundaries are how you show people to love you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you need to have a certain type of mindfulness in order to set strong boundaries, especially in relationships, because in relationships, we're sort of allowing in another person to witness the intimate relationship we have with ourselves, mm-hmm. and then in turn getting to know the intimate relationship they have with themselves and building an intimate relationship together. And I think it's so important to have boundaries. Because those intimate places in which we sometimes let another person in in the name of love can either be really healing or really destructive. Wow. I need a pen for that one. (laughs) I'm going to listen to this over. (laughs) So how can we set those boundaries with our mate? How do you do it? By saying, hey, listen, you don't do that. Don't do it. So it comes, I think, with really knowing yourself, listening to yourself and really knowing yourself so that when you say, hey, no, don't do that. I don't like it. You know that you're saying this from a place of true authenticity. You're speaking your truth so fully that you have no doubts in your mind that this was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to label it good or bad, right or wrong. You just know that it is what you need. And it's unacceptable. And it's unacceptable. It's not the way that you choose to be loved. Right. Yeah. Um, a friend had told me that a, a guy friend of hers had told her, when you're dating, just don't go out like it. Don't go out with the wrong ones. That's the best way. You know how we're always looking for Mr. Right or whatnot. Just don't go out with the wrong ones. It's so true. It's so simple. When he said, when she told me that, I was like, yeah, just don't entertain the wrong ones. You know. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it is learned behaviors as well. That that too, like if we seen our mother tolerate, you know, as much as we say we don't want to be like our mom or be like our dad, at the end of the day, we're like our mom and dad in many ways, right? And um, I could totally see that as well. Um, yeah, you really blew me away with the cancer thing. I had no idea. Yeah, it, it blew a lot of people away because mm-hmm. I'm so young. Um, and you're so positive and you're so healthy now. And that's that's such a blessing. Could you feel when you were recovering? Could you feel the difference? Did you know? Not at On a time. spiritual level? It took many, 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 many years and like a reoccurrence of cancer as well mm-hmm. to sort of to sort of pull me into a there was a time where I just sat down and I was like, You are so unaware of yourself, of the way you are in the world, of your actions. And it came from really shutting myself down after the cancer like deeply shutting myself down because my body didn't feel like a safe place anymore. And the nature of my cancer, because it was a thyroid cancer and they they removed this major gland from my body, caused a lot of ramifications even today in terms of the way my body operates. And uh, there was just a lot of shutting down, pushing down and burying. And it wasn't until I really started to get into a deeper meditation practice, not even just the physical practice of asana, Sitting or laying, meditating in restorative or yin yoga or having long, hour-long meditations. Um, Just with myself, just observing myself. It wasn't then until these deeply buried sort of things came to the surface and it comes through mindfulness. And the more mindful we become of ourselves, the deeper we go. And the deeper we go, generally, the the more tender parts of ourselves we uncover. Right, that's deep. And so it can be very challenging. Mindfulness can be very, very challenging. And I think sometimes we need a space from that deep inner work. 
And so I think there's also... That's true. You can't always be on. And so there's different forms of mindfulness as well, right? There's mindfulness around your emotions and these kinds of things. But there's also mindful meditation in terms of walking meditation, going for a nice walk outside and just noticing your surroundings. I was going to ask you different ways to meditate. So walking meditation, moving meditation, Mm -hmm. which is yoga. What else would you recommend? Moving meditation, which is yoga. But it could also be something like tennis or, or squash or any kind of sport that requires you to stay fully present in the moment. Other things that are meditative, things like gardening, journaling is incredibly meditative, painting, anything where you use your hands for creation can be incredibly meditative and mindful. This is part of the reason that coloring books for adults have become very popular. Because I have that. that. It's, this, it's mindful because... It's really good, actually. It's very calming, even coloring with my son. It's funny you say that. Coloring books are the definition of mindfulness because you focus on these little spaces and you fill them with color. And then once you're finished, you look at the bigger picture. And truly, that is a great metaphor for mindfulness. When we practice mindfulness, we try and look at the little places we see color in front of us. And then once we are grounded in the present, we're able to step back and look at the bigger picture. And so often when we step back and look at the bigger picture, we are so thankful for our breath, for our heartbeat, for the sun on our skin, for our children, for our parents. Because so much of what we create in a state of overwhelm is fiction. Right. And it requires mindfulness to differentiate what is fiction and what is truth, right? Because there's an inner dialogue in our head, too. And that inner dialogue is based in fear, right? Mm-hmm. Those are Tony Robbins believes that that inner dialogue is a constant answering of questions based in fear. Right. And a lot of fears, I believe, our childhood really, really um, affects us. Even though Oprah says, you know, you shouldn't live in your story. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard when, you're, when you, that's the only way you know. Well, it's interesting that you say this because I noticed um, some of the most profound benefits when it came to mindfulness Mm -hmm. through exactly this type of unconscious patterning. Unconscious patterning that's either picked up from our parents because we watched our mother and father sort of enact this this whatever self-soothing mechanism. It could be alcohol. It could be food. It could be TV. It could be shopping. It could Mm -hmm. be anything, right? Um, we've seen this unconscious pattern repeated and repeated and repeated, or we're put in an unsafe situation, and so we create a protective pattern of safety. So for some of us, this may be isolation. For some of us, it's insulating ourselves with food. Um, For fear of abandonment, it could be surrounding yourself with the wrong people. Mindfulness becomes an incredible tool in breaking down these unconscious patterns because we're required to sit with ourselves and observe these patterns. Once we come back to this practice frequently of mindfulness, we notice those patterns that are ingrained that were unnoticeable before. But it requires a practice, a conditioning of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And it's when we unlock those unconscious patterns that we free ourselves from traumas we didn't know were holding us back. I think, too, when you're fed up of just the same old, living the same old way, getting the same results, I think that'll, that's all, that'll also be a catalyst to push you. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. um, you do get the same results when, you you're, do. when you're doing those unconscious patterns. You know, from relationship to relationship, from parenting style to parenting style, from career to career, like when those patterns are unconscious, they're repetitive. And in yoga, that's called the samskara. And this is... Uh, thought of as a a pattern of thought that is repeated so much that it actually creates indentations in the brain not unlike a path through the forest Mm. when you walk the same path through the forest you create that 
Alexa, you're it preaching. Really you are going, what? You're teaching me. This is what I love about her class. Now, everybody, don't rush to Alexa's class, okay? <laughs> because I need some space on the floor. I need some math space. Already, one girl had me against the wall, and I was like, okay, I cannot be mindful against the wall. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, do you mind moving? Um, yeah, I mean, you, you've taught me so much. I, 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 Like, I really love your spirit, and now knowing that, you're my hero. Like, I think it's really important because everybody's battling their own thing and especially health. Health is wealth. You always hear people say that. What do you find? What do you think about that oh, statement? Health is wealth. And that's yeah. another reason why I'm a yoga instructor because I use I I'm because of the cancer and because of the thyroid issues, there is a aspect of depression and anxiety that I've experienced since having cancer. And a lot of doctors have explained it to me that once you've had cancer, there's always some sort of underlying anxiety because you're afraid it's gonna come back. And the depression mm. comes from not having those right levels because they removed my thyroid. And these things have become incredible tools to figure out that health is wealth, not just physical health, mental health as well. Like it's not just about getting cancer and losing your physical ability, it's also about having that strong mental capacity. Because what I've learned is that even when my physical body is weak, broken, or otherwise disengaged, my mental capacity will keep me going. And having a right. good, strong sense of mental health is the most important thing. Health is wealth, especially mental health. Right. Right. And, and mindfulness offers us that mental health. Right. Because when we have the space to look at what's going on upstairs, that's when we feel that we are abundant. And generally, like I mentioned, Louise Hay before, you know, heal your body, heal your life. Louise Hay really believed, may she rest in peace, that your mental thought patterns correlated to physical disease or disease yes. in the yes, body. Yes, I've heard that. Right, so it's 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 not just about health as wealth physically. It's about health as wealth mentally because the two are intertwined and they work together. And mindfulness has helped me stay healthy because it, it maintains positive mental patterns that support my physical body. And whenever those positive mental patterns disappear, then I notice low-grade infections in the body, inflammation, all kinds of stuff that's not there when emotionally and mentally I've been doing my work. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right, emotionally, mentally, eating right on every level. So for the single mom, let's say, that's had, or the single lady that's had the day of hell, what's your advice to her? It doesn't have to be 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be half an hour. It doesn't have to be an hour. It can be 60 seconds. It could be two minutes. It could be five minutes. Even if you have to lock yourself in the bathroom and right. you have screaming kids on the other side, those screaming kids are just a tool, right, for you to sit there and learn how to focus and how to cultivate a, pa a relationship with patients. I find that most of us don't have a relationship with patients, which is why meditation or mindfulness becomes so challenging. I believe that carving out five to 10 minutes of yourself in the morning and the evening just to sit with yourself can be such an incredible tool because it gives you that minute, that five minutes to listen, to ask, what do I need? What is my truth? And if you can add some sort of ritual to that, it can be very empowering if you have the time to light a candle or to pull a card or to make some tea or some cacao or something to make those five minutes special, you'll feel so much more nourished throughout your everyday life. I know that it's even harder for, for moms. Oh yeah. 
like, as, right. like in, I want to say this and I'm going to stand by it because I think if you're a single, single woman, you should have no excuse. You should have no excuse. You should be carving out that five to 10 minutes in the morning at night to sit with yourself and listen. If you're a mom, it is a little bit harder. And, and to moms, I would really encourage you, like shut the door, lock the door, light the candle and take 15 breaths because by breath 15, mm. you're going to feel so different about yourself. And then ask yourself, what do I need now? Just give yourself space to ask, what do I need now? Another question I want to ask you, because it comes up a lot, what is, what does it mean to love yourself, self-love? I think self-love means to listen. And I think it means to be patient with yourself. Self-love has a lot to do with forgiveness. I think without forgiveness, it's really hard to be patient, right? So it starts by being patient enough to listen. And then to forgive yourself for being so hard on yourself or for getting overwhelmed or for losing your temper. And then it comes down to listening, right? Because first you got the patience part. Okay, I can sit with myself. Then you have the forgiveness part. Okay, I can get rid of right. guilt and shame. And then you have the listening part. And I really believe that deep inside each and every one of us, male or female, there is a voice. It is not the voice we hear in our head. It is just this very soft, subtle voice that speaks to us from our soul. And it's the voice that tells us to go to bed a little earlier, to have one less glass of wine, to drink some salad. Follow that intuition. Follow that intuition. It's that like intuitive yeah. voice, right? I think so. And I think that's self-love, is following your intuition, doing what's best Owning for it. you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's not enough people who do that in this day and age. When you see somebody who's 100% authentically themselves, that's a train wreck you can't look away from. It's magnetic. Like People want to be authentic because... When someone's authentic, other people know that person's really loving themselves. Ooh, that is good. Because you can see it in the skin. You can feel it. You can mm -hmm. feel it. It's the type of person you want to be around. You can feel it, definitely. You feel safe. And those people that you don't want to be around, like negative friends. Or, you know, what about those friends that you knew back in high school and you have love for them? Is everybody meant to come on your journey? See, and this is just it. This is where mindfulness comes in huge because even, yeah, friends I've had for 10 years and, and I have to ask myself sometimes when I'm around them, how do I feel in my body when I'm around this person? Mm -hmm. Even over like Facebook Messenger, how is this interchange making me feel? And that mindfulness is so important for setting boundaries for who you let into your life. Right. Because if you have an unconscious, subconscious pattern in which you were abandoned and you're reaching for love, you're going to reach for love for the wrong person no matter how it makes you feel. Even with friends, yeah. Even with friends. Because it's better than being alone. Ooh. Yeah. Thank you, Alexa. Um, for everyone that wants to come to your class, let us know where we can find you. Well, I'm at Yoga Tree Studios. I'm at Midtown, Richmond Hill, and Vaughn. Okay. I teach Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, and the schedule is on yogatree.ca. Basically yoga every damn day, okay? <laughs> Thanks again, and I'm going to give you a big hug because I'm just so, you know, I'm inspired by you. So thank you. And my spirit was right. My spirit was right. Follow your intuition. I, I knew you had more to offer. Like, this is just amazing. Uh, thanks so much for the red print. And right now I wanted to get into red soul tip of the day. Uh, in the end, just three things matter. How well we have lived, how well we have loved, and how well we have learned to let go. Some things to be mindful of. I'd also like to thank my sponsor, Six Degrees Studio, 358 Danforth Ave, Unit 2B, eyelashes, extensions, microblading, threading, facials, nails, foot peels, skin lightening machine. 
They even have one for cellulite. I like, let me tell you, I just sit there and do it my damn self. Um, and I know Alexa's looking at my eyelash right now because one is coming off. <laughs> yeah, I got into a heavy sweat session. It's her fault. But um, thank you so much to my sponsors and thank you to everybody listening. Please subscribe, tell a friend, and stay tuned for the next one. Thanks for sharing this with us, Alexa. Thanks for having me. You know what? It's funny because your eyelashes do look amazing.